0: A couple weeks ago, Jamie and I were back here behind this door and getting ready to come out, and I pray, and then we come out, but it was a couple weeks ago that I turned to Jamie, and I said, I don't want to go out there, and he said, what's up? I said, I couldn't be more discouraged. I couldn't be more distracted. I don't want to go out there, and you may have seen him tugging my arm, pulling me out here. He said, you got to go out there. He said, because well, I'm not ready, so you got to do it. But, and I, I said, I can't tell you how many things have been brought to me in just the last hour. And what I'm sharing with you tonight, this afternoon, Brother Jamie experiences it also. Now, I know what you're thinking. But, Pastor, isn't it your job to handle our problems. Absolutely. Absolutely it is. And I embrace that. And I am grateful that you come to this church. I am grateful that, you know, I am needed, that Jamie is needed. However, and we're fine-tuning this, it's in your best interest that your problems not be handled right before the service. You understand that? It's in your best interest that your problems not be handled right before the service. It's in your best interest that me, that Jamie, be focused. It's in your best interest that we be filled with the Spirit when we're in this pulpit. Is it not? I heard amens this morning. This is amenable tonight, (laughs) this afternoon. It's in your best interest when, whether it's me or Brother Jamie, when we can give you our full and undivided attention. You see, the work of the church is the most important work on the face of the earth. And the primary function of the church, and we emphasized this all last year and we'll continue to emphasize it, the most important work is the spread of the gospel. And one of the primary ways that the gospel is spread is through the preaching of God's word. Therefore, it just stands to reason that if Satan's going to fight, and he is, that he's going to attack where it hurts. And he's going to do everything he can to make ineffective the preaching of the gospel, the preaching of God's word. Preaching is dependent upon the free work of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit having free reign. Of everything I do, and of everything that Brother Jamie does, there are so many things that are important, very important. But nothing is more important than standing behind this pulpit. It is the highlight of my week. It is the pinnacle of my week. I enjoy the counseling. I enjoy the administration. I enjoy all that goes with, you know, what you do around here, what I do around here. But nothing is heavier, nothing is more serious than the preparation for the preaching and then the actual preaching itself. And it is a daunting task for me, for Jamie. Do you know it was a daunting task for the Apostle Paul? Take your Bibles this afternoon, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 2. By the way, I know that we use the screen a lot, but you should still bring your Bibles because there's going to be times like this I'm going to pull a fast one on you, <laughs> and we're not going to use the screen. So I don't want you to get out of the habit of bringing your Bibles. Let's look at what the Apostle Paul felt about preaching. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse number 1, it says, And I, brethren, when I came, on, when I came to you, came not with Excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Now, just stop right there. Paul, even though he was a brilliant man and even though he was a scholar, there he is acknowledging that he didn't have what it, he was very aware of his shortcomings. He tells him, he said, I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. Again, he's very much aware of his shortcomings. And any pastor worth his salt is going to be very conscious of his shortcomings. And then he goes on to say, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's saying there, he said, I had to stay focused. I had to remember that my job, it's not about me, it's about preaching Jesus Christ. It's about preaching the gospel. And then he goes back in verse number 3 and says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. That's the preacher. You know, when you come out here, I, I, I think some people have the mistaken idea that preachers are like supernatural. I mean, they're next to angels and what have you. No, we're, we're sinners. And yeah, we walk with the Lord. We love the Lord. We, we spend time in God's word, but at the same time, there's nobody that the devil's going to fight more than the person that stands in the pulpit. And the Apostle Paul was saying, hey, I'm the Apostle Paul. I was chosen of God. I knew the Lord personally. I met him on the road, you know, and here I am. No, he says, I'm in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. Let me tell you, if he feels that, I feel that times ten. And then he says in verse number 4, And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. He says, for me to be effective, he said, it's got to be Spirit-led. It's got to be the power of God. And if there's anything you need... It's the man of God standing in this pulpit with the Spirit of God and the power of God, not up here in the flesh. That'll be of none effect for you. That'll be discouraging to you. You'll, you'll end up leaving if I'm up here in the flesh every week, because that's not going to help you one little bit. It's a daunting task to stand up here knowing that you're filled with your Spirit and the power of God is, is with you. And then he says in verse number 5, that your faith should not stand in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. It was in their best interest that Paul rely on the Lord. That Paul be spirit-filled, that he experience the power of God. So it stands to reason that if Satan is to render preaching ineffective, he must attack the source of the power of the spirit and satan will do everything he can to quench the spirit of god therefore paul gives us paul himself gives a, a warning when he was talking to the thessalonians when he said quench not the spirit and in the very next verse that's 1thessalonians uh, 5:19 in the very next verse verse number 20 he says despise not prophesying and every commentator i read well, not everyone, the majority of them talking about prophesying here, said that's talking about preaching. So in the same breath, he says, regarding preaching, quench not the Spirit. I mean, there are times you come to church and the Spirit has free reign, it has liberty, and you, a believer with any kind of maturity can sense that. And yet there's other times a mature Christian can come to a church or this church and leave thinking something wasn't right. Something didn't feel right, is the way we might put it. But that might be an indication that the Spirit was quenched. This quote, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5 that God was, has granted to Christians the ability either to restrict or release what the Spirit does in the life of the local church. Let me repeat that. This writer says, God has granted to Christians the ability either to restrict or release what the Spirit does in the life of the local church. The Spirit comes to us as a fire, either to be fanned into full flame and given the freedom to accomplish His will, or to be doused and extinguished by the water of human fear, control, or what have you. Now, let me be clear about something this afternoon. Because this afternoon, I'm more uncomfortable than ever talking about this, because I don't usually get up here and preach about me. Although I'm throwing Jamie under the bus, too, because I'm including him in this. Make sure you understand this. I don't believe for one second anybody in this church has ever intended to quench the Spirit. Okay? Let me let you off the hook there. Because, you know, I, I just don't believe that. I don't believe there is one person in this church that has ever intended to, to quench the spirit, discourage or distract, you know, anybody. I don't believe that for one second. And I don't want anybody to feel guilty. You know, I don't want you to start thinking, well, did I do that? Did I do that a long time ago? That's a good sign if you're thinking that. That shows you've got a sensitive heart and a sensitive spirit. But I'm not throwing anybody under the bus. I, I'm not so much today looking back as much as I am looking forward. But I do contend that one of the Satan's best tools as far as possibly quenching the spirit is by distracting or discouraging a pastor, and it's usually the the distraction that discourages you right before you get into the pulpit, that can ruin it for everybody. Okay? So, you know, and I believe this to be true for a couple of reasons. One, I think it's a, a tool of Satan because of just my personal experience, and in talking with Brother Jamie, because he he has this, this, the same experience. But not only do I believe it's a tool of Satan because of just what I've personally experienced, but it's the testimony of others. I have mentioned to you Tom Raynor, He's with Lifeway. He, he, he was a pastor. I think he pastored three different churches, and he He's got a, a blog and a website and whatever, and uh, puts out lots of material for pastors. And uh, Jamie and I often listen to him and uh, agree with a lot, disagree with some. Uh, but um, there's some good stuff there. And he wrote an article on this very topic. And the article was entitled, this is by Tom Rainer, it's on his website, Six Observations About Speaking to Pastors Right Before They Preach. Okay, so this kind of verifies to me, and I'm not the only guy that deals with it. And by the way, he said he had an overwhelming response to this article. That of all the articles he's written and all the blogs he's had, and, you know, he he said this one got a lot of response. Let me just read you a little of it. For most pastors, preaching is one of the most important facets of their ministries. It is that time when they get to expound on God's word. Much of their training is focused on preaching, and they often spend 15 to 20 hours preparing each sermon. Most pastors today preach one sermon a week. Most weeks, I'm preaching three sermons a week. Feel sorry for me. That's really what I'm up here for. Pastors with few exceptions love their church members, and I do. I love you folks dearly. I count it a privilege to be the pastor at my old Baptist church. He said, they desire to serve their congregations well. They desire to be gracious and friendly to those who approach them. That is why most of them would be highly reticent to say what I'm about to say. You know, like I'm highly reticent to preach this. He goes on to say, many times pastors get very distracted and even discouraged When someone speaks to them right before they preach, and he says, let me elaborate, and he makes a number of points. I'll just mention a couple of them. He says, number one, the time right before pastors preach is a time of prayerful focus for them. They have put hours into the message. They have uh, prayed that God will use their message. That is their frame of mind where you will find most pastors right before they preach. Number two, he says, in this article, if you speak to the pastor at that time, consider giving a word of encouragement or of prayerful support. That's a novel idea. Do I hear crickets? <laughs> Let me read that one again. If you speak to the pastor at the time, consider giving him a word of encouragement. Oh, never thought of that. He says, I still remember to this day, Francis Mason speaking to me right before I preached when I was pastor in Birmingham, Alabama. She would typically say something like, Pastor, I prayed for a special anointing for you this morning. He said, I could feel my spirits being lifted immediately after she spoke to me. He says, number three, consider holding back any criticisms of your pastor right before the sermon. He says, can you imagine how you would feel if someone said something very critical of you right before you spoke? It happens to pastors all the time. If you feel like you must criticize your pastor, please consider doing so at another time. And then number four, he says, someone who says, I need to talk to you right after the service. That can kill a service. He says, don't say that. Can you imagine what the pastor likely is thinking? By, by the way, I'm going to throw this out. I'll just say it all this afternoon. Um, I was talking to Mark Monte, and I said, Brother Monte, I said, one of my biggest uh, discouragements, or no, that's not the right word, one of the things that bothers me the most, I said, when somebody calls and says, can I talk to you on Friday? I never think, I bet they're bringing ice cream and we're going to celebrate something. I'm looking at Jamie for support. I mean, you, you know it's bad. He told me, he said, I tell my people now. He said, you're going to tell me when you call me what it's going to be about. And I would like to ask you to do that, okay? I got enough on my plate, you know, without wondering, well, what's it? And even if it's bad, tell me. Say, you know, we got a problem with this or that. Okay, I can be thinking about it, praying about it, maybe even doing some homework, and and we can do it. But just to call and say, hey, I need to talk with you on Tuesday. Uh, What's it about? Well, we'll discuss it on Tuesday. Well, if it's Friday, there goes the weekend. He says, please understand my perspective. I am writing as a former pastor and not on behalf of anyone who has asked me to write on this topic. Most of our pastors are godly and gracious and would never ignore someone who approached them. I am simply requesting that you consider the timing and content of these conversations. And you have to understand how critical that hour before the service is. And I wrote out a scenario to kind of describe what's on a pastor's heart. I arrive here, usually about an hour before the service on Wednesday. I'm here all day. We don't, Sharon and I don't go home on Wednesdays. So, is the heat on? Is the air on? Mrs. A says it's too hot. Mrs. B says it's too cold. Are the doors unlocked? are the ushers and greeters in place? I need to greet that new individual or family before they sneak out. Where are the Johnsons? I hope they're not mad about something. What's that box doing in the foyer? That's not supposed to be there. What child left his shoes in the gym? I've got to put those away. I don't need to unlock all the Sunday school rooms. Not to mention... Mrs. X called and can't teach Sunday school. I need to find someone to replace her. This is all in the hour before church, and this is not unusual. Brother Y called and can't find the keys to the van. Mrs. Z called and needs to be let in the supply room. Could you hurry? She needs in right away. I get word that water overflowed in the men's bathroom. Who's here that can take care of that? So-and-so called, and they took Mr. M to the emergency room last night. Don't forget to call and find out what hospital he's in and go see him this afternoon. Oh, don't forget I'm meeting with the Appletons about their failing marriage after church. I hope I can help. Oh, and don't forget, Mrs. R. needs to know today why I said Paul wrote Hebrews. She's upset because she thinks it was Peter that wrote Hebrews. I've got to answer the text I got this morning as to whether there is a meal today. I've got to get back to my office fast and type out the announcements and print them because I forgot to do that yesterday. Oh, did I send those PowerPoints up to the computer yesterday? I think I did. Please, Lord, let them be up there. Mrs. B said it's really important. Our brother B said it's really important for him to see me right after the service. Great. That can't be good. Brother H pulled me aside and said if we don't get larger Larger sized paper plates for the Sunday meals he's never coming back. <laughs> oh, thanks Scott for finding me to hook up the microphone. I would have forgotten. Mrs. O asked me to announce that men 's meeting is for Tuesday is propone, uh, postponed until Thursday. Mrs. W informs me that she hasn't seen Irma in several weeks. I must be a horrible pastor. I hadn't even noticed. Wait, didn't she go to Ohio for some reason? Make a note to check it out and don't forget to get back with Mrs. W. and let her know. All of this is right before church. Mrs. J whispers that she's heard a rumor that Brother H may leave the church if we don't get larger paper plates. I tell her I'm on it. Make a note to self to meet with the meal ladies about larger paper plates. Shirley says, I know you're busy but could you check your calendar and let me know if the fireplace room is available for next Thursday? The Biddle Bird Watchers would like to meet there, and could you open in prayer and bring a short devotion on the importance of birds in Scripture? That's humorous. (laughs) It would be great if I could have a minute to review my notes for the sermon. I love these people too much. I don't want to blow it. I go to my office 10 minutes before the service to take a quick moment to review my notes. I really want to help. I rush back to my office and open the door to find an envelope had been slid on the floor under the door. Great. Maybe this will be good. I hope it's a note of encouragement and appreciation. Or maybe a gift card to a restaurant. That would be a huge blessing if I have to go make that hospital call this afternoon. I open the envelope and read, Pastor, Please don't get larger paper plates for the Sunday meals. That'd be a waste of God's money. and would indicate a clear lack of spiritual discernment on your part. And maybe reason enough for me and my family to leave the church. Signed, Anonymous. (laughs) Things like that happen every week. Sometimes more than others, sometimes less than others. Now, I say all that not looking for sympathy or pity. I do say that looking for for help, okay? And and to, to explain some things. Number one, if I don't speak to you, it's not because I don't like you. Truth is, it's possible that I looked right at you and didn't see you. Because I've got a bazillion things on my mind. A bazillion things plus one. So, you know, just know that. And look, I don't want to ignore anybody. I don't want to be unfriendly. uh, Number two, if I speak to you but seem distracted, it's because I'm distracted. You know, don't expect a lot of attention. I'm going to mention this in a second. Try going down on the football field before the playoff game and having a conversation with the coach that's about to play the game of his life. Try it. He don't want you there. You know, I try to make the best of it. You know, it's just, I just want you to understand. If I walk past you while you're seated in the auditorium, it's not that you're not important. Chances are I'm on a mission from God. i got to get something up here on the pulpit done. Again, watch an athlete before a game. They're focused. They're in the zone. Watch paratroopers before a jump. They're not playing tiddlywinks with each other. They're totally focused. Watch, watch a carpenter when, when he's doing his job. He is totally focused. I got in trouble when these new bathrooms were put in back here in the back uh, in the ministry center. Uh, Pete, Sandy Dale, he was, he was doing that. And all those partitions. I mean, there, there's no play. It's got to be just right. That stuff is heavy. He had all that stuff laid out on the floor back there. And I'm a teaser. I'm a picker. I went back there and he 's he's, he's up there looking and he 's got you know a million nuts and bolts, and he 's big P and he 's trying to get it all laid out right so he can get it in there and I walked up to him and I said, uh, A joins with B, which joins with C, connect D to l, and he says i don 't need that <laughs> I backed off real fast, and then I realized that was dumb on my part because he was really you know he need, you know to people like that uh, time is money and He's trying to get it all figured out. Watch a surgeon before a difficult surgery. They try to be focused. And you want them to be focused. It's in your best interest that they are focused. Now, a pastor's job is no less important. The pinnacle of the week for me is what I do here on Sundays and on on Wednesday nights. And I realize how important it is to... Spend time with people and, and, and give your heart to people and to give them your, your, your full attention. And I'm, I'm really working hard to, to a better job of that and to reduce problems and distractions. But problems and distractions are, are going to come. So let me share these ten ways in which, I guess you could say, in which you could help. Number one, realize there's a lot that's going on before every service that has to be dealt with. And I appreciate your patience in understanding that. Because as a pastor, my eyes are, and ears are on everything. From the lights, oh, there, you know, there's a light out. or wh- wh- I, I had to bring a stepladder in here this morning, take care of something before. Was there. This morning, I got here and I was looking around I saw something. It was out of line. I said, mm that ain't going to work, so we're going to get to the stepladder. So just, just understand that. And that way you won't be mad. You won't think, oh, he doesn't love me. No, I love everybody in here. Number two, realize that bringing a problem to me right before a service that can wait can be used of the devil to deflate and damage my spirit and ruin a service. Now, now some problems need to be brought to my attention. The building is on fire. I want to know. (laughs) I want to know right then. I want to know right there, okay? But if it's something else that can wait, I'm just telling you, it's not in your best interest. It's not in my best interest. It's not in the congregation's best interest. That, you know, you present the preacher with a problem or some bad, discouraging news right before the service. Number three, an important issue on your heart is an important issue to me as well. And right before a service is not the best time for me to give you the full attention you deserve. Number four. If something is important to you, feel free to call me or come by the office at any time, nine or day, something heavy on your heart at, at two o'clock in the morning, you, you call me. It, it's okay. But there's just something different about right before the service. When you have worked hard on a message all week, you, you, I, I can't explain to you what you feel. Because when you stand up here, you don't know how it's going to be received. You, you don't know. I was so pleased this morning. Kind of an unusual message this morning. We had visitors over here. And I was so pleased that the, the gentleman with that family told me after, he said, great message this morning. It's like, okay, good. You know, you don't want to run visitors off. You don't want to discourage people. But if, if something is important to you, call me at, at, at any time, night or day. And it's incumbent upon me to give you my full attention, and to help you as best I can. Number five, if a problem comes up before a service, try to handle it yourself if you can, or, for, or find someone that can handle it if you can. Now, again, something may come up, and it needs to be brought to my attention. That's okay. That, that's okay. If it's got to be brought to my attention, that, that's fine. But if, if, if Dave can handle it, you know, let Brother Dave, let him, let him handle it. Number six, if there's a recurring problem before most services, bring it to my attention during the week with possible solutions, and we'll work on fixing it. You saw I snuck in there, Jamie, with possible solutions. I'm talking about like a recurring problem. You know, every week, Pastor, we have this problem. Well, okay, let's, let's talk about it. And if you've got some possible solutions, then we will we'll deal with it. Um, number eight be proactive in preventing distractions. Help us out. You got unsupervised children in here or some distracting noise or something, you know, you see the need, take the lead. Number nine, make sure uh, you and your children are not a distraction during the service. I realize sometimes people have to get up, they have to leave, and that's the best thing under those circumstances. But not because of your negligence that you didn't make sure they went and Went to the bathroom before the service, and then number ten. Pray for the pastor before he preaches, folks. I was serious this morning. Nothing's going to change this America, uh, this country, but the pulpits of America. Nothing. The, the, the hope you have for your grandchildren and your children, the best hope you have that they are not living in a violent. Horrible. I mean, folks, I don't mean to discourage it, but do you understand it could get ugly? Do you understand that? It could get ugly, and the best hope of it not getting ugly is what happens in this pulpit and what happens in Rich Sidlowski's pulpit in Banning, California and Brother Brian's pulpit there in Missouri and John Flanders' pulpit there here in Michigan Jeremy's pulpit in Texas Tom Boomster's pulpit in California, Matt's pulpit in Wisconsin, and uh, Tamra. What's Tamara's last name now? Rumley in San Antonio, Texas. There's a lot of guys out there doing it, so don't get discouraged. But don't be a discouragement to them. Be an encouragement. And again, don't get me wrong. It's in your best interest, your spouse's best interest, your children's best interest, our guests' best interest, that whether it's me entering the pulpit or Brother Jamie entering the pulpit, that as as much as is humanly possible, that we not enter distracted or discouraged. Uh, there was something that was happening in this auditorium, and it, this is kind of different. It's not really on the same level, it's, but... Several months ago, I was as distracted in this pulpit as I've ever been by something that was going on in this auditorium at the time. Okay, and some of you might be able to put two and two together there, but I mean, I was, I cut the service, I cut the service short. I cut my preaching short because of something I was concerned about in in this auditorium, and it ended up being fine, ended up being no big deal, but I'm just letting, you know, the, the devil fights. So, you know, you come with your burdens, with your problems, with your cares, and, and I, I'm glad you're here, and I don't want to discourage you, and I, I want to be a part of, of the solution. But what you need to understand is pastors and pastor's assistants, they have their own battles. They have their own issues. And as I pray for you and try to do everything in my power to encourage you, then congregations need to be those that are mature. Now, less mature Christians, they're going to do what they do. and They're baby Christians, and we get that. Oh. I appreciate Brother Tom Huber sometimes. <laughs> he knows about this. You know, we, we have people in this room that are mature. They, I didn't need to preach this. Okay, They, they get it. Uh, Tom, well, it, it's more than one time I've been standing there before the morning service, and Tom's walking past me in the choir to come out, and he'll say, oh, by the way, preacher, big problem in Sunday school. I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> have you not done that Tom on numerous because he knows he, he knows he, he, he said or, or something like boy did Bob and Bonnie get in a big fight out in the parking lot this morning <laughs> that could be true though I mean that might not be <laughs> yeah. but I mean T- Tom is doing it and yeah, that's a light-hearted moment that that does my my spirit good because but he'll be like the boy that cried, Wolf, someday you'll be coming to me with a problem. I'll say, oh, yeah, Tom right? You, you old kid, or you? No, really, the church is on fire. We need to run. But um, it, it's a little um, difficult sharing this with you. But part of this, is, I think I can because I, 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 I think I have a good group of people here. And again, I'm not trying to put anybody on a guilt trip. Don't go out of here and say, oh, I'm sorry. I remember three years ago I came to you before. No. don't don't worry about that you know and but it can be a problem sometimes so as we start 2019 I thought we'd do some housework and next week we're going to do some more housework because next week we're going to talk about this is all in conjunction with starting off 2019 next week we're going to be talking about diversity in unity you know the bible talks about us being unified okay but at the same time, and this, this is where it takes some maturity and some discernment to make two things that appear opposite congruent, to, to, to make them work together. The Bible definitely talks about unity, right? Okay. But it also talks about the hand isn't the foot, and the foot isn't the ear, and the ear. It talks about diversity. And where, where, where the devil can get an inroad there is. In our diversity, Satan could use to create disunity. I mean, there, there's some of you that have a passion for children's ministry, and what those people need to understand is that other people that may don't maybe don't have that passion, they're, they're not against you, and you you just can't be down on them because they don't have that same fire in the belly that you have. They may have a passion for the music ministry, you know. And you don't have the fire in your belly that they have when they're staying here hours after church preparing. So we're going to address that next week. I guess we're addressing things where, if we're not careful, the devil could get involved. So this is preventative, okay? This isn't, you know, it's not that we got big issues going on, but it's preventative because I am concerned about our nation and the direction of our nation. And I do see... This church is having a huge responsibility to be light in this neck of the woods, as they say. And if I'm coming to the pulpit and the spirit is quenched, that's a problem. But based on what I've shared with you today, that that can be fixed. If if we want our light to shine uh, by being a unified church, we have to understand that God gives different giftedness to different people, and you need to understand that. Somebody may not have the passion for something that you have, or, or, or the same, necessarily even the same conviction. Last Wednesday night, I talked about um, what's going on in our Christian colleges, and I read that article. Most of you weren't here. It was bad weather that night, and I, I understand it. But I, I read an article about how deceptive and deceitful uh, colleges can be in undermining the faith of, of, of a young person. And I mentioned some people will homeschool, some people will um, put their kids in a Christian school, some people will, will put their kids in public school. And I emphasize those that do that, you know, what, what you need to do to make that work. And again, people then that are going to judge one and oh no no you got to be this is the way to do it this is the way to do it you got to be careful. We're unified in doctrine, but the Bible talks a lot about diversity as far as giftedness is concerned. And in some cases, how we see certain things and how they ought to be handled. So, yeah, there's a place for unity. But there's a place for maturity and allowing for some diversity. We'll focus on that next week. And again, if something needs to be brought to my attention before the service, absolutely bring it to my attention. Uh... But if it can wait, that would be best. And also understand, folks, if I seem distracted sometimes, it's, it's never okay to be distracted, but these wheels are turning 500 miles an hour when I arrive on Sunday morning and all the way to when we leave and on Wednesday afternoon as it gets closer to service uh, because I want it to be good for you. I want it to be right for you. I want you to be blessed. You know, I, I want our church, we're not, we're not a formal church, but we, want, we don't want to be a disorganized bunch of hillbillies either. There's a, there's a balance in there, of having a, a, a friendly, folksy church, but yet things are done still decently and in order. So I love you, I appreciate you, I appreciate you. Let me share my heart with you this afternoon. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's word. If you have any questions about Myo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.